Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Super nice to see you here this morning. Some lively children. Uh, makes the heart glad, too. As we entered into this year of 2022, like, who thought? You know, who, who thought we would be where we were right now and made the mistake in November thinking, like, oh, yeah, kids get baptized. I mean, get um, baptized. Kids will get, uh, kids, I did one yesterday, but kids will get vaccinated and uh, we'll be back in full force, and then here we are again. Uh, but I, I feel like this morning we've been given from the lectionary the perfect word for the season we're in from Isaiah 43. And I'm just going to read a little bit of it again to you. And try to hear it, uh, the voice of the Lord speaking to us in our moment as I read it. Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I've called you by name, and you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Do not fear, says the Lord. There are three um, pieces of this scripture that I want to point out for us uh, this morning in this short sermon that, um, that I believe are the, the reasons that we can believe God when he says do not fear as we head into this year. Not fear this year, not fear today, not fear now, not fear yesterday, not fear ever. Do not fear. And what is the first reason? The first reason in the scripture is this. God says, I have called you by name. You are mine. Now, notice uh, that God doesn't just know your name, but he calls you by name. He, it is uh, when you are called by name, you are put in relationship with the one who is calling you. Um, you are known in the deepest way when you are called by your name. He calls you by name, and the power of being called by your name is profound. And I'm going to tell you a story about my mentor, uh, Paul Zoll, D Dave's dad, uh, he was the subject of a guidepost article, which is a kind of like, um, you know, devotional magazine. In 1982, it was a long time ago, he was just 25 years old working at a, as an assistant in a church in New York called Grace Church. And that's where the story is set. It's told by a young woman named Anne Berlind, Berlind who had moved to New York uh, to teach part-time and to work on her PhD. And if you were to see this woman... Um, walking by, you would think, gosh, she's just got it all together. And she looks like she's got the world, you know, uh, in her hand. Uh, but, um, of course, she doesn't and didn't because we, none of us do. <laughs> she had a, a major eating disorder. She was addict addicted to amphetamines, and her life was spiraling downward. Um, and one evening in August before the classes started, she was so desperate that um, she went to church she, she walked into this Gothic church, which was Grace Church near her apartment, and the 6 p.m. communion service was just beginning, a little bit like our 5 o'clock service, and she writes, I'm not sure I, why I was there, only that I was desperate for help. I did not call myself a believer, but I had found myself in a situation so extreme that I knew only God, if he existed, could help me. So she got into a pew like ours, she pulled the kneeler down, she knelt down, 
and in her desperation prayed, I don't know what I'm doing here, God. I don't know if you are there, but please, if you are, I'm looking for you. Please help me. Well, she prayed the prayer, then after the prayer and during the service, well, she really, to be honest, felt nothing. Um, no, no, no sense of an answer, no sense of peace came to her. Um, she just felt more desperation, more emptiness. And so she tried, uh, like lots of newcomers to church, uh, to slip out um, without anybody noticing, which is why we have that door over there, because some of you do that with me, I realized. And um, that's why we have two doors. It's t- totally fine to do that. But as she was uh, leaving, um, Paul uh, tracked her down and approached her with a big smile and said, Hello. I'm Paul Zoll. I don't think we've met. So she reluctantly shook his hand and she gave him her name. Paul was super friendly, welcomed her to come back, invited her to come back at any time to the church. And she only went a few more times not finding any real peace, not finding God, not finding the answer to her prayer, always slipping out uh, before the service ended so she wouldn't have to deal with anybody. Things spiraled downward for her. Her eating disorder was raging. Uh, Panic attacks were happening. Her mental health was uh, frazzled. Um, And she had to get on a subway one evening or one day to go to a faculty meeting before the classes started that she was sure she wouldn't be able to fake her way through. Maybe you've been in that kind of situation. And um, she was on the subway, noisy, crowded, She felt a panic attack coming on. She was focusing on her breathing just to be able to exist in that moment. She writes, suddenly, I heard my name called. Anne Berlin. She says, I must have shot up four feet. I turned to see the minister from the church. How are you? Paul Zoll asked. But I only stared at him, amazed that he remembered me. I tried to catch my breath and control my anxiety. Are you all right? He asked. Some final resistance had finally given way. No, I said. No. Something is terribly wrong. Paul said, can you tell me about it? Yes, but not here. Well, the story ends with Anne, a meeting with Paul in his office over the next months uh, spanning into the next year, and her gradually feeling the healing power of the God who had called her by name, of her Savior. The healing began, though, in the subway at the moment when Paul called her by name. God calls you by name. Do not fear. I have redeemed you. I have called you by name, and you are mine. That is a good segue and story into the second um, point of this short sermon, is that Anne went through a world of trouble, didn't she? I mean, uh, terrible experiences. And the scripture, you'll note, says that when we pass through the waters and the rivers, and the fires, 
that God will be with us. Note what it does not say, of course. It does not say that we will walk across a bridge over troubled waters. It does not say that the flame is there and we will steer clear of the flame. It does not say that the rivers uh, will, will part like they did for Moses so that we may walk through. We are told, not told that we will skirt trouble. The uh, book of Job says man is born to trouble as surely as sparks fly up from the ground. Um, we um, will not avoid trouble, but you know this. Maybe you experienced this this past week in something personal in your life. Maybe you experience it with uh, the power outage and you were freezing and uh, you felt abandoned and alone and cold. Uh, we unbelievably didn't lose power, but most people did, and next time we will. Trouble is warp and woof of our experience as human beings. God does not promise us to be removed from it. So I just want to ask this and pause uh, for a second about you. I want to ask you right now, um, what are the waters, the rivers, the fires that you are passing through? What does it feel, what feels like it may overwhelm you? may burn you, may consume you. Now, um, we um, all have issues that are uh, so pressing and undoing that it feels like we will be overwhelmed. Uh, certainly a collective issue, uh, the collecting raving rich uh, river right now is the river of this virus that I just talked about. And I'll just speak from the heart here, although I know that precautions are necessary and I believe in them and we have to do that. And hospitals are overwhelmed right now. Everybody and their brother has Omicron or some form of it. Aren't you just so unbelievably tired of living this way? Of wearing these dumb masks? I mean, it's just awful. You know, and I'm a believer in all this, but, but it's just awful. And, um, you know, I have to be honest, like, I'm tired of, I, I don't want a silver lining. I want some silver. <laughs> Where's the silver? Um, and I, I have so many blessings, as I'm sure you do, and I count them, and I'm just tired of that. I mean, I, I, I just is, uh, and frankly, I do really worry uh, about, the, about the fact that if we don't re-engage fully in the, the rites, the rituals that give us meaning in our life, i.e. church, that the mental health crisis, which is so well-documented, will just uh, deepen uh, irrevocably. I mean, that's a, that's a real worry. Uh, we don't see the end of what the um, actual how this will actually play out for us mentally. We see the stats in the paper every day. I read the obituaries, maybe you do too. There are a number of 53-year-old men uh, and the cause of death is not given. It's probably suicide or, or opioid uh, um, addiction. 
And so um, we are in a river. There's no question about that worldwide. However, the, the, that's, the, that's me speaking, and it's probably you speaking too. God speaks something different to us. God says, do not fear. Don't fear the river. Don't fear the water. Don't fear the flames. Because I am with you every step of the way. I am holding you. I am accompanying you. Yes, you're not going to go around it. You are going to go through it. But I am going to take you through it myself. And we shall not be overwhelmed. And we shall not be burned. And we shall not be consumed. Now, the final piece of this passage from Isaiah is to highlight this verse. And this is how we know all these things are true. We hear, because you are precious in my sight and honored, and I love you. He's speaking to Israel, but he's speaking to you, friends, this morning directly. I give people in return for you, nations in exchange for your life. What is Isaiah doing there? Well, you know what he's doing. He is foreshadowing the cross of Jesus Christ. For even though we die, we shall not be overwhelmed. We shall not be consumed. We shall not be burned. For God has secured our victory over death in the resurrection, the cross and resurrection of his son. God did more than give people in exchange Nations in exchange for you. God, because you are precious in his sight, gave his only begotten son to live the life for you that you could not leave, to die the death for you that we deserved in exchange as a ransom for your life because he loves you, because you are precious in his sight, because he has called you by name, because he accompanies you through whatever it is you're going through, he has given his son in exchange for you. So in the end, this God called his son by name, right? Jesus, Yeshua, right? It means I am your savior. It means God saves. It means God is salvation. Do not fear. Do not fear. I've called you by name. You are mine, for I am the Lord your God, your Savior. Amen.